0: Mark's gospel tells us that the very first sermon that uh, Jesus preached was called uh, Repent and Believe, for the Kingdom of God is at Hand. The, The very first thing Jesus wanted people to know was that their lifestyle was counterproductive to the way God created them to be. Repent believe the kingdom of God is at hand. Now, involved in that message is this understanding that, that when you repent and you believe and you begin to live in the kingdom of God, you're going to live in a different way than you lived prior to that. And so throughout all of Jesus' teaching, there's there's this proclamation, there's this, this sense that, hey, you know what, if I'm going to live life the way that God wants me to live life, the way God created me, then I, I've got to make some changes. But the reality is, when you hear that message, there's a question that comes out. And this question is asked by lots and lots of people throughout the New Testament. I mean, it's asked by Nicodemus when he came to Jesus in the middle of the night. It's asked by the rich young ruler who, who came through a crowd of people to, to look at Jesus and ask this question. It was asked by a, a Roman centurion named Cornelius of Peter when, when God gave Cornelius a vision and then gave Peter a vision and brought the two of them together. The, the, the question is one that quite honestly I've, I've heard many of us ask. It's really a simple question. If I'm told to repent and believe that the kingdom of God is at hand, here's the question. How do I do that? (laughs) How do I live my life? Nicodemus said, Lord, what must I do to have eternal life? The rich young ruler, Lord... What must I do to have eternal life? Cornelius to Peter, Peter, tell us, what is it that we have to do? What do we have to change? What what has to take place in our life? Today we're wrapping up a a series of sermons that we began in January from 1 John, a a letter that that the Apostle John wrote to to the people in the late first century in an area around the city of Ephesus. In this letter, Paul or John has been trying to tell the people that, that there's the way to live because Jesus is the light of the world. And, and, and now we come to a place in, in the writing, in the letter, where, where he begins to talk about the answer to this question the answer to the same question Nicodemus asked and, and Cornelius asked and the rich young ruler ask, and the question all of us ask: if we're going to live a life for Christ then how do we do it what is involved in actually living the life we were created to live and so this morning we're going to look into this passage and my, my prayer for you is that you will discover along with me this process for how to live well to how to live the way that you were designed to live. How how to make whatever change you need to make in order to fully experience the life you were given to live. The way way John addresses the topic is to begin with a a really kind of controversial piece. It's It's in... the second chapter i'll read it for you and then we'll stop and discuss it for just a little bit he 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 talks about the fact that well he addresses them as children but listen children it is the last hour and as you have heard that the antichrist is coming so now there are many antichrists who have come Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out, that it might become plain that they all are not of us. But you, you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge. I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it. And because no lie is of the truth. Now, here's, here's why I'd say that's kind of controversial. Uh, see, there was this rumor going around, this teaching that was happening, that said that, that there would be this one person who would come, who would be the, the persona of being against Jesus, being anti-Christ, and what John is teaching them is that, no, no, you don't, you don't need to look for an individual. Maybe you've not heard things like this, but growing up in a preacher's home, I, I heard everybody identified by visiting preachers. My father, not so much, but visiting preachers. I heard everybody from Henry Kissinger to the Pope identified as the Antichrist, okay? And some of you are too young to know who Henry Kissinger is, but I hope you've read the history books, all right? Now, currently, I've heard everybody from Bernie Sanders to Donald Trump identified as the Antichrist, all right? I, I, I've heard all kinds of teachings. Here's what John said. John said, look, quit looking for an individual. You've got to know that any person, any thought process, any way of looking at the world that is against who Jesus is, is Antichrist. And what he's saying to them, to these people and to us, is that we live in a world where there's a, even though it was created by God, even though God made us in his own image, there are people among us and there's a world in which we live that actually goes against its creator. And if you're going to live in a world that is anti the creator, that is anti Christ, quit trying to find one person to blame everything on. Instead, instead understand You've been called to live in the kingdom of God. You've been called and given the truth of Jesus Christ. You've been given the way to find your created meaning. You've been called to be for Christ in a world that is anti-Christ. So stop trying to identify. Stop trying to pinpoint. Instead, live your life in the positive note for who Christ is and what he wants to do in your life. That's what it means to live well. It means to live in a way that allows you to connect with God through Jesus Christ. And from that point in the argument in 1 John chapter 2, John begins to give us the the components, give us the steps. He starts this way. Living well, living connected to Christ, begins with a confession that connects you to Jesus in all of your life it, it begins with a with a confession now when we, when we say confession I, I, I'm not talking about a confessional booth I'm not talking about coming and laying all your sins out before people instead I, I'm talking about making a confession of what you believe I confess I believe this now is there a part of laying out all of your past involved in that yeah Because what you're saying to God through Jesus Christ is, God, look, I know I've been living anti-Christ. I've been living against the way I was created to live. And so now I come to you and I understand you sent your son. That's what Jesus said to Nicodemus, wasn't it? He said, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him, anybody who believes in him, they, they could have eternal life. He told Nicodemus, look, you've got to be born again. Nicodemus is like, what, I have to go back in my mother's womb? Well, no, 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 Nicodemus. We're talking about being born in your spirit. What he's saying is you've got to go from being against Christ, being anti-Christ, to being for Christ. You've got to confess. You've got to believe that he can change who you are and connect you to God. John says it this way. To the people to whom he's writing, look, I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar but the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist. If you want to find the life you were created to live, then it begins with you being willing to recognize that up until this point in time, if you do not know Jesus Christ as the one who connects you to God, that without Jesus Christ, you have been living anti-God or anti-Christ or anti-yourself because you were created to be in the image of God. You were created through Jesus Christ in order to live in connection to him. So anytime you are living in a way that doesn't demonstrate your connection to God through Jesus Christ, you're living anti-against Christ. And what John is telling the church in the first century, what he's saying to us in the 21st century, is that we have been called Yes, to repent and believe. But when we repent and believe that the kingdom of God is at hand, we are confessing that we are for Christ, not anti-Christ. And we are brought into his presence. If you want to live well, it starts there. That's the beginning point. You can't find the life you were created to live until you confess Jesus Christ is the one who forgives you. Jesus Christ is the one who loves you. Jesus Christ is the one who has mercy towards you. Outside of Jesus Christ, you cannot fully experience the way you were created to live. So living well starts with a willingness to confess, in Jesus, I can find forgiveness. In Jesus, I can find healing. In Jesus, I can find wholeness. In Jesus, I can find purpose for my life. Because he designed you he knows you before you were even born in your mother's womb at your conception he knew you he he even knew you before your parents picked a name for you <laughs> and he knows who you are and when you confess that when you are willing to say you know what this is the truth of my life I'm going to live connected to him in all the places of my life. Not just where people see me. Not just where I have Christian connections. Not just in the public places, but in every place of my life. I'm going to live connected to him. You begin the process of living well. And when that happens something starts taking place in you. A a confidence starts coming in your life, but that confidence comes from the fact that, that you have embraced Jesus. You see, living well comes from the confidence to embrace Jesus in such a way that you have experienced him and you've experienced the love of God in him. That's why the confession becomes easier the longer you know Jesus There was an old song that my parents used to sing as a duet when I was a kid. My father was a pastor. We traveled around. He would speak in places, and and he would sing with my mother. My brothers and I would sit on the front row. We would get in trouble, okay? My mother would play the piano. My father would sing. We would sit on the front row and talk. We were always in trouble, all right? But they would sing this song. It would say this, The longer I serve him, the sweeter he grows. The more that I love him, more love he bestows. Each day is like heaven. My heart overflows because the longer I serve him, the sweeter he grows. You see, when you experience Jesus Christ in such a way that that now you know that God's love is for you. No matter what you've done, no matter what anti-Christ you've committed, no matter how you've bought into the lie, you, you are brought to a place now because you have experienced the embrace of Jesus, that you can have confidence to embrace Jesus. And when you embrace Jesus then that goes into every part of your life. And now suddenly, when you find obstacles in your way, when you find difficult days, now suddenly you're not as intimidated as you used to be. You're not as, you're not as frail as you used to be. Instead, now you are discovering That because you have confessed that you are for Christ, because you have embraced the embrace of Christ, and because you've experienced who Jesus is in your life, now suddenly there's a confidence that you can walk in to the midst of the fire. Not not afraid, but assured that God is with you in spite of everything else that the world says. John says to the people, look, when you confess who Christ is and you experience who he is, it changes everything. Look at the way he writes it. And now little children, abide in Christ. So that when Christ appears, we may have confidence and not shrink back from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of Christ. See what kind of love the Father has given to us. That we should be called the children of God. And so we are. Sometimes I, I, I think in our human frailty, we begin to let fear dominate us so much that we forget how much confidence we can have in Christ, how much we can remember, how much we can experience, how much we can know that Christ is in us and for us, and that he wants to love others through us. Because you see, when when we... When we confess Christ and we experience Jesus and we embrace that experience in such a way that it's now throughout all of our life, then then living well begins to change the way we look at the world. It, it, It changes it this way. Living well causes us to respond to Jesus' leadership rather than reacting to what's happening in the world. I want you to think about that for a minute. If we really confess Jesus Christ, if we really embrace our experience of Jesus in every part of our life, then what's happening in the world around us doesn't really matter. I mean, it matters. We have to address it. But we don't take our cue from it. We don't take our instructions from it. We don't have to use the world's ways to accomplish divine means because the divine means are better than the world's ways, we take our cue from who Jesus is. We listen to his leadership. Now, that doesn't mean that there's, that there's something necessarily evil about anything unless that thing is against Christ. And what I've learned is that the things that are against Christ are not are not things their hearts their hearts their 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 minds their their ways of thinking their their ways of living see it's not so much whether or not the thing is evil it's the person in charge of the thing i i had a professor who said it to me once this way in an ethics class he said you you see a young man playing with a ball next to a street As he's playing with the ball, it kicks off of a rock and it goes between two cars. And the young man, without without thinking about the cars coming by or the danger involved, darts between the two cars to get his ball. Another man on the other side of the street sees the car coming that's going to crush the young man who's after the bouncing ball. The man who sees the danger throws himself in front of the car pushing the other gentleman to safety and gives his life we as humans go heroic wonderful but the real question is not whether or not the man jumped in front of the speeding car the question is why did he jump in front of the speeding car did he jump in front of the speeding car in order to in order to show someone that he was powerful Did he jump in front of the speeding car in order to have his name blazed across the headlines to say, this person's a hero? Or did he sacrifice his life because of his commitment to sacrificial living and the ongoing life of the other person? For you see, that's the love of Jesus. Jesus. The love of Jesus is not to make us heroes. The the, the love of Jesus is not to give us fame and fortune. The glory we sang about earlier, the glory to glory to glory, that's not about us. That's about God. And it's the motivation in your heart. You see, living well causes us to respond to God's leadership rather than reacting to the world around us. John puts it like this. The reason why the world does not know us is that the world did not know Jesus. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. but, But what we do know is that when he appears, when Jesus appears, we shall be like him because we will see him as he is most beautiful thing about a biblical christianity that is true to the authority and the authenticity of scripture is that that authority and authenticity gets lived out in the lives of the people who confess that jesus christ is their lord who have confidence that the experience they've had of jesus christ can make a difference in the way they live and that they now have leadership to live in the kingdom of god rather than floundering the ebb and flow, the the will of the world, as Paul said, blown hither and yonder by every wind of doctrine or trend of society. See, living well, living well as you were created to live is only possible when you are connected to the one who created you. Because living well allows us to be controlled by hope rather than rebellion. He said, Pastor, what are you talking about? See, when you when you confess Christ, when you have confidence in his embrace because of your experience of him and you respond to his leadership in your life, and he becomes the one that you follow, he becomes the one that you listen to, he becomes the one who sets the agenda for your life, then suddenly you're no longer controlled by a sense of, I've got to make mine, I've got to have mine, I want to do it my way. No, now you're controlled by a hope, a hope that lives within you a hope that is greater than anything else the world can do, a hope that comes from this confession and this connection and this response to his leadership. You're controlled not by your own desires, but you're controlled by the the design for your life that God had when he made you. John puts it like this. Everyone who hopes in Jesus purifies themselves as Jesus is pure. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning, rebelling, also practices lawlessness. Sin, rebellion, is lawlessness. You know that Jesus appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in Jesus keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen Jesus or or known Jesus little children let no one deceive you whoever practices righteousness is righteous whoever practices makes a practice of sinning is of the evil one for the devil has been sinning from the beginning their brother. I would add, or sister. You see, when you're controlled by the hope of Jesus Christ, that you have confessed, in which you have confidence, and in, in which you have found the ability to be, to respond to the leadership of Jesus, then what happens is the sin, the lawlessness, the rebellion, it goes away. Oh, not immediately. It's a battle. It's a it's a a war for your soul if you would and if you've got things in your life that have always pulled you back down then, then they're going to keep trying to pull you back down but now you don't have to listen to them anymore because now there's someone living in you John puts it this way a little later on in this letter he says greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. What 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 John's wanting the church to know? What what the spirit of God is wanting us to know in the 21st century is that in the midst of a world that is against the cause of Christ, there is there is the kingdom of God made up of all the people who confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And that that kingdom is greater than the kingdom of the world. When the world fades away, when the world is done, when it's all over, however it ends, when it's all over, the kingdom of God will still be here. The people of God will still live. When the rest of the world fades away, when all the rebellion ends in destruction, the kingdom of God is eternal. And you and I... Have been invited to live in that kingdom. Not someday, today. Not in the future only, in the present now. And there's nothing in your past, nothing in your present that hinders you from, from living in that kingdom except those simple words Jesus said in Mark chapter 1. Are you willing? to repent and believe. The kingdom of God is at hand. Are you willing to hear the answer to the question, what must I do to have life? What do I have to do to live well? The answer isn't work harder. The answer isn't trust more. The answer isn't go to church more often. (laughs) Although that would be nice. The answer is, Are you willing to confess your loyalty to Christ? Are you willing to have confidence in his embrace? Are you willing to experience what he has for your life? In such a way that that you respond to him instead of reacting to the world. So that you are controlled by hope. Instead of. Rebellion. I guess the reality is, it's just a question that every one of us has to answer. It's a question every one of us has to answer. What's your answer?